0: Let's do this, the Cult of Hockey podcast by the fateful and for the fateful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce.
1: Hey, David. How are you doing tonight?
0: Well, that was a really, 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 really super bitter loss, I have to say, to the Vancouver Canucks. It was a game the Oilers had in hand, and we're going to have a little disagreement because we've, we've talked about it, but I think the Oilers pissed that game away, and... um Handed it to the Canucks. The game in hand could have easily won, and they just couldn't get it done because it's fundamentally mental errors. And um, I know tons of fans, including you, are mad at the referee. Um, far enough, but I think the bigger factor in this game was mental errors by the Oilers. And this is what I'm noticing, Bruce. Actually, in the last, it's just the NHL now. The games are so close. The teams are so close. Um the, the the games come down to goaltending, bounces, and mental errors that are quickly punished by the skill of the opposing team. Mm-hmm. And you can't have anyone on the team making those kind of mental errors on a consistent basis. And if you have guys who are consistently making them, you're going to lose. You're not going to be a playoff team, that's for sure. And right now, the orders aren't headed towards the playoffs. Um, they're not trending there because... Some of their best players are making mental errors consistently, game in game out, and uh, it's just killing this this team. They, like do they want to make the playoffs or not. That's what they should be asking themselves over Christmas. Have a good heart think about it because you got to stop making those mental errors anyway,' getting ahead of myself.
1: Um, satisfied and fat and happy on a one game winning streak. Like the yeah. team can't play two decent games in a row to save their souls right now.
0: And they weren't terrible tonight. Obviously, they, they were. They, uh, they were, were playing a good game, but they just again, it was. It was, and they had some decent goaltending from Koskinen. Um, well, all right. Anyway, this is our two good things, two bad things, two numbers podcast about the Orders four two loss to Vancouver. Bruce, what's your good thing?
1: Uh, my good thing from this game is uh, play of rookie defenseman Caleb Jones. Uh, I really liked his uh, play. Uh, he uh, he earned an assist on the. Uh, Oilers' tying goal 1-1, on uh, uh, mind you, from the back end, he set that one up because it was mostly a rush by Ryan Nugent Hopkins that resulted in the goal. Uh, But that was just one of many fine moments for uh, Caleb Jones, uh, who uh, uh, during his 12 minutes of ice time, the Oilers outshot the Canucks 9-2. They had a couple of pretty darn good chances. Uh, He himself made a very gritty uh, block of of a highly dangerous shot where he paid the price and uh, took uh, took away uh, uh, what appeared to be a great A scoring chance from uh, from Vancouver, and I just like you know he was I-, I liked his game in all aspects tonight moving the puck skating well,
0: his and best game as an oiler this year I thought,
1: yeah no certainly yeah I had no no sort of negatives to it at all
0: really, he's been coming on. Um- He got off to a rocky start, I think, with this new coaching staff, or maybe he was just Mm. too nervous himself about making the team or something. Uh, Maybe he sensed the competition from Bear and others, Joel Joel Parison, that was going to make it hard for him. But he was not – he looked like he was trying to force things in preseason and even early in the year when he came up. But tonight was the first game where he really really reminded me of the player we saw last year, um, at least when he was played in third pairing who was just really capable puck mover, solid, good decisions with the puck. You could see Russell deferring to him, counting on Jones, like constantly putting it out Like this is Russell's game, of course, but mm-hmm. constantly putting it over to Jones for Jones to make the play out of the Oilers zone and Jones consistently making it tonight. This is huge, Bruce, for the Oilers to have um, another young defenseman in Jones um, coming on strong. Ethan Bears obviously playing really strong hockey, had another decent game. So here we have these two guys that you know were kind of low round draft picks um, that year, as well as John Marino, but that's another story. And um, they're getting it done. It's just really good news for the Oilers, and it's why um, you know the Oilers are real 500 right now. They have 20 wins and 20 losses, correct? Yes. So that's that's again at the start of the year. If someone had said to me at Christmas time, if if you someone said to you if the Oilers are real 500 at Christmas, would you take that? Of course, I would take that. That's fantastic. And they're ahead of the pace they set last year. Last year, at this after 40 games, the Oilers, they just you know, they'd already had that terrible game against San Jose, as you recall. Um, that was, I think, their 39th game where they just got, and it was after Christmas, and they just got destroyed by San Jose on the four check. So the Oilers are are a better team than they were last year. They, they have more defensive depth, they've got better goaltending, they've got better third and fourth line play, but they're making, again, they're making these mental errors and Okay, I'll get to my good thing now. Um, James Neal, mm-hmm. he he's not he's not a great even strength player. He's not even a good even strength player. He's he's okay maybe, but he's better than Milan Lucic was last year in a number of really significant ways. And one of the ways is he just when he goes to the net, good things happen. And on both the uh, Oilers' goals, there he was, played a part in both of them. Kind of a hard charge on Nuge, Nuge's goal that opened up that side of the ice. And then he screened the uh, the power play goal. So that's the kind of play that Milan Lucic, although he was supposed to be the net front guy, he just never or rarely made that kind of play last year at all. And Neil makes it fairly regularly, en- enough to make a difference in games. And, um, you know, he's he's a slow skater, but he when he's going to the net, and when he's physical, he can he's, he's, I would say, significantly better at even strength and better player than Milan Lucic. So, um, I like him okay.
1: Yeah, I don't know about the even strength part of that. He's way better on the power play. Uh, and Lucic, he, he had this extremely annoying habit where he'd be in front of the goalie, uh, casting this huge mountain shadow on him, and then the puck would go back to a guy in shooting position and Lucic would turn to the side of the net and open up for a pass and then open up the goalie's view to the shot instead of, you know, stay there and screen the guy, you know, like your job. He used to drive him nuts. <laughs> he used to always do a turn out to the side of the crease as if he's going to get involved in some nifty three way passing play. And if someone did pass it to him, he'd probably flub it, right? I mean, anyway, Neil is much better. And, you know, Chase on also really good at this. Uh, getting in the goalie's eyes and making it tough for him to see uh, uh, shots. And so they, I uh, um, think they, w- I think they won the trade. I'm not real thrilled with Neil's play at even strength. I would say, and
0: uh, he's, I, I'm not saying. Uh, listen, he's probably is he below average? Yeah, I think that's a fair comment that he's below average. But Lucic to me was way below average. So even at even strength. Um, they're getting a win out of this. Because I just think Lucic at even strength was one of the worst players in the NHL. Whereas Neil is below average and isn't yet in that lowest category. And he does some good things now and then um, at even strength and on the power play that uh, result in goals for. Bruce, why don't we go to your bad thing, which is much on the minds of Edmonton Oilers fans tonight.
1: I dare say I haven't spent any time on Twitter tonight when oh, I'm working, when I'm working <laughs> the game, so I just watch for myself. Yeah. Uh, well, I have to say, as an Oilers fan, I'm a fan blogger, right? This is where I come from. And as a younger man, I was a, I was pretty hot-headed and temperamental towards refs. So uh, without caveat, caveat, I'm going to have to say, as <laughs> a
0: younger man,
1: this is the first time this year where I felt like my team got hosed, and I think my team got hosed uh, on. Both the tying and winning goals, very, very marginal calls went in favor of Vancouver. To me, Horvat's goal is a distinct kicking motion. He doesn't just reach back for the puck, but he pulls his skate through the puck and kicks it into the net. Seemed pretty obvious to me, but apparently to referees uh, Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder, uh, it wasn't that obvious. So it was uh, that was the 2-2 goal. And then after denying any number of fairly obvious infractions, Uh, during the game, uh, they called the thinnest of thin too-many-men penalty with eight minutes to go in a 2-2 game for a line change where the guy coming on, I mean, it's like a half second between the guy coming on and the guy going off, and he doesn't even touch the puck, and it's a zone entry. It's not like it's some huge uh, disturbance of the force or something. I mean, anyway, to call that after all the crap, they let go. And then on the power play, before the, t- the game-winning goal was scored, Elias uh, Pettersson slashed Darnell Nurse basically in the face, swinging at a puck, followed through, caught Nurse. No problem. And the power play carries on, and they score the winning goal. And by this time, we, I was seething. And even even my lovely wife, who's uh, very non – usually she doesn't go there, and she said the Oilers got – she actually used a bad word by the refs tonight, and I—I I couldn't uh, do yeah, you anything know what? but agree I, with her again.
0: I—I <laughs> I was first. I was more mad at the orders than I was at the refs, and oh, I and was, was so mad at the refs earlier in the game because. Oh, man. I saw that, like that, that, Horvat. He he just held McDavid as he's crossing the ice in the game. Like he's hacking him, then he puts his hand on his hip. It's he an obvious penalty, and
1: then, he, and then he hooks him to catch up with him, and then he pulls him down. It's an obvious penalty they Peterson. call on anybody against anybody. He just automatic. The ref's arm goes up on that. Elias,
0: African. Elias Peterson going through the crease. I mean, knocking and knocking into Koskinen like that. That's an odd... That's, you, you can't call, do that.
1: Well, they did call it, and they called... Patrick Russell got into a scrum with one of the Canucks, oh, and they yeah, singled well, out Russell to even it up. I mean, that well, that's is ridiculous. pure
0: crap. That, that is pure crap. So, I like, I'm agreeing with you already uh, in the game, and I tweeted about it. I was complaining now, about... No, I was Russell, mad early in the game, and was, then the, two, I think
1: the they, two goal-causing decisions in the third period just put me on the board.
0: Okay, here's what I'm going to say about the first, the first one, is mm-hmm. that it was close enough to someone just just going in at the net and the stopping at the net stopping at the net pocketing him on the skate it wasn't a to- it wasn't a distinct kicking motion yeah, was a distinct on those
1: stopping
0: mo- listen i've seen other goals like that counted and goals scored by the Oilers counted where very similar and i'm okay with that i got to be okay with that i got to be okay with horvat's goal cuz if an Oilers scored it that way i'd be saying yeah that was fair so i'm not going to Say anything, and Bruce. I'm going to get to segue to my bad thing right now. Listen, Leon Drysaddle was right with that guy. There's no way Horvat should be in position. Drysaddle should be between him and the net. And what is what, what happens? No, Drysaddle just lets him go to the net. Drysaddle flies on by. He should have been between Horvat and the net. That's fundamental defense. Drysaddle was not there, and that's why that goal scored. We're not having this conversation. If Leon Drysaddle had just taken the care to cover his man for two seconds as he's going to the net like he should. And that's what made me angry on that play. Just like on the first, the first goal was more of a, you lose a face-off. It is your job as the center to not let that guy get in there and get a shot, right? You block the block his body, don't let him shoot And Dreisaitl let that one in. I wasn't happy about that. But the that goal by Horvat, that's terrible. That is terrible defense by Leon Dreisaitl. And we're not having this talk about... What the, what the ref did if Leon had been covering his man?
1: so if let's say Leon had taken his stick though like a good defensive player is is he also supposed to take both of his skates
0: yeah I don't see I again I think I think it was a defensible call now the other one with McDavid I do I, I also think it was a defensible call I mean I think McDavid did interfere with the the play and the other guy was the odor still was on the ice like he 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 did get in the way of that Vancouver Canuck player rushing in to the Oilers zone. So if you're really, really picky as an NHL ref and you want to call that, you can call that. But in the context of this game, I'm going to agree with you here on that one because although it's a mental error by McDavid, slightly to get on the ice a microsecond too early, really that's a pretty tough call in the context of this game where so much was being let go uh, throughout the game. So I'm not as... I'll give you that one, but I, I don't and, give you the Horvat one. I think that was a, I okay, think it was, well, I, I actually I, think it was. Watch where his,
1: watch where his skate goes. It's a clearer to me follow through of a kicking motion that deliberately designed to pull the puck I, into I think the that net. That goal, the rule that, says distinct kicking motion. To me, it was.
0: The spirit of that rule is Bruce. They don't want people making a dangerous play in front of the net by kicking mm-hmm. at the puck. And that wasn't anywhere close it wasn't to it. dangerous, but it was a kicking so, motion. But that's why they have that rule, okay? So that's that's kind of what they're looking for. Is it is it that kicking motion that, that they want to eliminate from the game, or is it just kind of a player redirecting the puck with the skate? They're okay with the redirection. I think that was a I think that was the right call by the referee. So
1: he didn't just turn the skate to me, he turned his skate and he pulled it through the puck and he followed through with the skate. It was like he shot the puck with the skate. and. Uh, Anyway, and then after the 3-2 goal, on the next shift, Caleb Jones is coming out of his own zone, and Jay Beagle swings around, and, and he chops the skates out from under Jones as he's coming out of his own zone, and all of a sudden, the refs are back into this mode. Well, there's nothing to see here.
0: I thought the refs would be I mean, looking oh, for man. any excuse yeah, they could think of to give the other a think, power yeah. play. I was expecting, a, I'm thinking, and okay, when's problem, the power play coming? When's it coming? Never. Yeah. They were terrible. They were terrible. You know, just just the missed call early in the game with on, on Horvat was just terrible. Like, how do you miss that? There's two referees out there. Obvious as a community. Idiots. All right. Um, what is your number?
1: Well, you know, my number is two. And that's because that's the number of goals that the Oilers score practically every game these days. You'd never believe this team had the top two scores in the NHL because they score this is from uh, uh, this is from uh, uh, game 27 to game 40 one two three two 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 three five which they managed to lose one two one two four two uh-huh. like it's almost every game that you know maybe one game in three that they're getting a third goal I mean they're cons- they're never getting shut out they're consistently getting one or two.
0: Well, Bruce, as but, I wrote earlier today, Nuge's been scoring. He got a goal today, but he's been scoring at the rate of a fourth-line
1: scorer um,
0: this year, and they've really missed him. Uh, that's if he's been a big part of their attack. And uh, yeah, they obviously uh, have tonight, some
1: problems tonight. Uh, tonight, they're big guns. I mean, they they each got an assist on uh, Cleft Bomb's goal on the power play, but they were road passes, and yeah. really they created very very little. I don't know what the final count was for scoring chances, but. Uh, uh, the big boys were largely held in check, and they just didn't seem to have much jump in their step.
0: They had seven scoring chances, the Oilers, so that's a, a low number. game. Like, you know, yeah. yeah, seven for the Oilers and nine for the Canucks. Yeah, I agree, Bruce. Say. Top gun offenses. You know, it's,
1: it's getting to be alarming. I mean, that's a 14-game span now where 31 goals, you know, barely two goals a game. And most goals with two goals in the game.
0: And there's no easy answer. Like I heard Tippett talking about this. Like, well, you know, he says they're getting, you know, they're getting in there, and they just they're just not scoring on their chances. Like they're not bearing down. But, but I don't I don't think <laughs> it's a gift to score a goal. You know, to 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 as Scotty Bowman calls it, to light the light. That is a gift that only some players have, and it's not something that you can suddenly. Well, I'm going to go and. S- I, I know you can put more pucks to the net and screen the goalie more, and yes, you can create greasy goals, and maybe that's what they have to do. But there, there, there is other than McDavid and Drysital, in terms of players who can light the light on this team. Man, I better hope
1: James Neal's in the goalie's face because that's, <laughs> that's, that's that's your next best bet. To because yeah.
0: and you know, Nuge isn't an even strength scorer this year, and. Um, they don't have a defenseman who's going to do it. There's no, there's no one who's going to pound in the goals. I mean, Ethan Bear might next year. You know, I could see Ethan Bear stepping up and I had
1: a couple good shots starting tonight. to
0: score more. Like he might assert himself. He might get more confident. He take another leap in his game, and maybe Caleb Jones will too. Caleb Jones in Bakersfield, as I recall, was fantastic at putting pucks at the net that got deflected, and that's the play I was looking for tonight because um, he was playing solo. And we're gonna, so we are gonna see more goals coming through uh, Bear and Jones's stick as the year goes on, but, you know, and and I like the checking line of Shea and Archibald and Nygaard, but I don't know if we're going to see many more, a lot of goals out of those guys. I, I, it's hard to, I mean, Nygaard might get a few. I don't know. All right. My number Bruce is minus 16 since December 1st. Leon Dreisaitl has been by far the worst plus minus player in the NHL. And uh, in what is it? In eleven games, he's minus sixteen.
1: I've got bad and news for you. In twelve it's... games, he's minus nineteen because those totals don't <laughs> include
0: tonight's minus three. Oh geez, I didn't, I didn't add. Yeah, I was looking at NHL.com. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's quite all right. I'm just updating oh, for God. you. Oh God, twelve games minus. So he's the next guy is Mike Green, who's played in nine games and was minus eleven. On Detroit. Alex Debrink at Chicago, 12 games minus 10. So this is Leon Dreisel who spends a lot of time with Connor McDavid and Zach Cassian, which is a pretty good line and nurse and bear. How can he be that? Like and, and this is the terrible thing. I, I haven't I didn't do a count yet. I mean, we've done this in the past, but he's responsible on a lot of those goals, like the two tonight, right? He's he's the main culprit on a lot of these goals. The two goals tonight was both his men. His yeah. men scored both those goals. I don't know how he's feeling about it. But I'm not feeling very good about it. Oh. <laughs> and I, I don't know how Dave Tippett's feeling about it, but you think he, you think he, he's about ready to blow because you can't, you can't have that from your... Like, earlier this year, there was talk about Leon Dreisettle winning the Selkie Trophy and about Leon Dreisettle yeah. wanting to be known as this player who's this great two-way player. Like, he's, he's nowhere close to that.
1: Yeah, he's fallen off a, a cliff. I don't understand it, frankly. You know, like he was very close to being the best player in the NHL
0: for a month, for the first,
1: uh, first 20 games. Um, and then since then, I mean, David, in his last 15 games, uh, Leon has been a minus player in 14 of the 15 games and even in the other one. Like his last plus game was November 23rd at Vegas. And, and not just even, like, minus every night but one out of 15 games. Like, I, I don't remember ever seeing the like. I, I just, I mean, there's two empty net goals in there. But, you know, the Oilers have had a chance to score empty net goals too in that time. And uh, uh, they just haven't been able to level that count either. But it's just, it's just... Uh, it's staggering to me. He had eight minus games in a row. He had an even, and now he's had six more minus games in a row. It's like he's fallen off the earth. And so I just don't get it.
0: In the in the first month of the season, in October, he uh-huh. played 14 games. He had 25 points, and he was plus eight. Yeah. And, um, yeah, since then he's like minus 20, I think, or something like that. So, Yeah. I, I can't I don't I don't get it either, Bruce. Like it's just really strange, is is what it is. It's like, was he just getting caught up in being an offensive on the in the offensive game too much? Like thinking offense, offense, offense. Like wanting to lead the league in scoring or like I don't know. But whatever it is, he's just got to get grounded again in the defensive aspect of hockey because it's killing the order's playoff chances. Yeah. He. Well. If he wants to make the playoffs, yeah. he can take, he can take, he could He could lead, he and McDavid can lead this. This particular team can make the playoffs. They're good enough to do it, I think, because of the defensive depth, the checking, the PK, the power play, the goaltending. They could scrape in, but they're not going to be scraping in if this continues. If this trend continues. And it's been two months. It's like we're mm-hmm. looking at December's almost over here. So we're talking about a two month trend. Well, we're talking about, I mean, that,
1: that span. Since this plus-two game in Vegas, that was the first game of their, their most recent two-game winning streak. And since yeah. then, they haven't been able to win two in a row. And part of the reason is that their first line has been getting outscored in games. It's not, I mean, the whole idea of this team, I thought, was to try and hold the other team even uh, during the rest of the game so that the big guns can kill them. And the big guns have been, frankly, killing the Oilers more than they've been killing the other team. This, uh, this last uh, six weeks. Aye, aye, aye. It, it brings me zero, you can see it on my face I'm sure, zero pleasure to say this. <laughs> yes. But with, uh, uh, you know, you just got to look at the cold hard stats plus the, uh, you know, the actual watching of the games and the close analysis that you and I do of the, of the scoring chances and we're seeing many, many errors of commission and omission. Uh, and and the uh, the top offensive players on Edmonton are having the biggest problems on the defensive side of the puck and giving it all back and more.
0: Okay, Bruce, because we're going into Christmas here, and this is our last uh, podcast before sure, Christmas, right. let's, uh, let's each give our, <laughs> just really quickly, we won't go on yep. at length, but we'll each give three. We're going to okay. give three most encouraging things each about the team this year. What's the three things that have encouraged you the most? So we'll start. I can start if you want. Okay. I'll start with Adam Larson. Okay. Um, You know, he, in the last little while, he didn't have his best game tonight, but he was was still pretty good. But in the last little while, Adam Larson has played his best hockey as an Edmonton Oiler in the last two or three weeks. And um, he... Let's face it. About a month ago, when he came back from injury, there was a there was a point where everyone's thinking, "Yeah, maybe we should trade this guy. Let's let's move this guy out. Probably the sooner the better, even possibly, because he's not getting the job done. He looked like a statue out there, but he's just really he's starting to move his feet. He's getting involved. He's such a cranky, ornery, effective defenseman when he's when he's playing well. So, Adam Larson, what's yours? What's your uh, encouraging thing?
1: Uh well, since I just spent Couple of minutes ripping on the guy. I will say, Leon Drysaddle's play in the first 20 games of this year, when he showed that he was capable of being as good as he was in the league for an extended period of time, that player is in there somewhere. We just have to figure out how how, how he unlocks himself, uh, that side of him, the Dr. Jekyll part of his game, more often, and whether it's just. I think it. I think it's a matter of uh, of uh, of exhaustion as much as anything. Like he really. Has been overused. And it's the same problem the team had last year, where they were relying on about seven skaters to play twenty minutes a night, and then uh,
0: those guys <sighs> actually ran out of juice. And- Bruce, that's an excellent theory. That's as good a theory. Like just, as soon as you said it, it was like, yeah, there's your there's your answer, right? They ran him into the ground, and he's he's mentally exhausted. Like just the concentration it takes to play the game at this level all the time, and to to be. Um, bearing down every second that you're out there bearing and you're out there for a lot of seconds and you're tired a lot of that time and possibly trying to do too much putting a ton of pressure on yourself so yeah exhaustion okay my my good thing will be Connor mcdavid you know um came into the year with a major had a major injury still Mm -hmm. haven't i read again that he didn't have surgery now so there's been different kind of insider information on this I'm, i'll go at this point that he didn't have surgery they decided to let it heal on his own but whatever the case is it was a serious very serious knee injury and he's just been flying he's just been looking as as good as ever that's very encouraging and i don't think although his plus minus has taken a bit of a has taken a hit as well mm-hmm. um i i still see him playing his a game generally speaking and playing pretty well there's been some defensive breakdowns there as well. Quite a few. You know, yeah, maybe. But nonetheless, just the fact that he's healthy, flying, leading the league in scoring, I believe, um, just he's Connor McDavid, and he's attacking like as well as he's ever attacked in his life. That's a very encouraging thing after that knee injury by the evil Mark Giordano. What's your next encouraging thing?
1: Uh, I think I'm going to go with the uh, emergence of rookie defenseman Ethan Baer. Uh, as a uh, as a real bright spot on this season for the Oilers. Uh, Bear has got, uh, just double-checking, four goals and I think 12 points. And uh, yes, 4-8-12. And he has... Uh, uh, but where he's impressed me the most is with the puck behind his own blue line. With uh, not just his um, uh, his... When he recovers the puck, how quickly he he looks, makes his decision, and distributes it, and delivers an accurate pass, the vast majority of the time, and uh, it's and it's it's a quick decision, and it can be a five foot pass or it can be a, a stretch pass. Uh, he makes a very very fast um, uh, read and and and. Decision of how to distribute the puck and he's a, a very naturally good one. He does make mistakes. He's a rookie uh, I think we're going to see more offense and more points out of him as he gains a little bit of experience and And maybe calms down a little bit when he gets you know Great a scoring chances in the slot that he buries him because I know he does have an excellent shot uh, but uh, his overall that his What the Oilers so desperately needed was a right-shooting defenseman who could play in the top four and move the puck. And Ethan Bear is all of those things.
0: It's kind of sweet, eh? Just like your their prayers Mm -hmm. are answered. What we were hoping to see, and you know, it's kind of it might be considered a stretch. But if the Oilers there was an expansion draft and you could only protect one defenseman, might be Ethan Bear because he's right shot, because he's a puck mover, and because he's the youngest of the really valuable defensemen. Um, He's just been playing, he's just been stellar, um, holding his own, generally speaking, against tough competition, moving the puck really well. Um, And we saw him take a major step. There's a chance he's going to take another one, because I think there's some offensive aspects to his game. When he, when he finally does get on the power play, and I think that's going to happen after he signs his next contract. Um, when he finally does get on the, the power play, I think he's going to do some damage there because his shot is better than Clefbaum's shot. And he's a slightly more intuitive uh, and trickier passer than Clefbaum. So I can't wait for that to happen. Okay, my third uh, most encouraging sign is Mikko Koskinen. It. Didn't have his best game tonight. But um, you know, he might have had that third one, the shot from Hughes, although there was like he
1: didn't multi-
0: multiple screens. So I'm not I yeah, I had it as an A chance because it's scored within the crease by a Vancouver player screening him. Um essentially. He didn't get his stick on it, but he blocked his view. But every game that he's in there, Bruce, um I just there's, there's hardly been a game where like I I I think of one game actually, maybe two, where he's where he's let in stinker goals. He's just been as good or better than the opposition goalie most nights and that's fantastic. He looks it looks like the Oilers have a number one goalie and we've seen it now this is three months, we're three months in and he's doing it night after night after night and boy do you ever need that if you're going to win in the NHL and it's all the better because he signed that three year contract 4.5 million. Well if, if you get Let's say 50 games out of Koskinen, and he, and he's is is as good as the opposing goalie or better most of those nights. That's a bar, he starts to be a bargain contract. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say that's what it is. Who knows? But right. they're getting their money's worth right now. They're getting their money's worth and then some right now out of Miko Koskinen, and it's fantastic. What's your third thing? Do you have a
1: my third thing, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go broadband and say the performance of Oilers special teams. Okay. Uh, and that's really the only reason that's keeping them in games. Uh, a lot of nights they've been uh, uh, they've lost the battle at even strength and won it on special teams. And uh, more than once they've come come out with a win because they outscored the other team by two or three goals on special teams. And and one by one. Uh, a little bitter pill to talk about it tonight when they've just given up the game winner on a third period power play goal against, but the penalty kill uh, with the cast of thousands of, uh, of Ken, Ken Holland's pros that he brought in, uh, and those pros show their proness uh, in the, uh, some of the uh, some of the grunt work you know, and penalty killing is definitely that and uh, the big guns uh, for all that uh, we've, we've We've had some issues with their play without the puck. With the puck, they are magicians. And they produce regularly on the uh, uh, on the power play. They produced one tonight. Uh, uh, it was more run-of-the-mill than some of the ones that they get. But they have the puck on the string. And uh, uh, they have so many options. And they have so much movement on the power play that the other team really has a hard time defending when they don't know where McDavid or Dreisaitl are going to go at any given moment in time. It's not this static power play that uh, uh, gave us fits in the past.
0: Alrighty. Excellent. So, 500, let's just stay 500 the rest of the year, real 500, and they can make the playoffs. How does that sound?
1: Yeah, I had a big chance tonight with all of uh, Calgary and uh, Vegas and Arizona all losing. And a lead in the third period, but uh, they couldn't even nurse one point out of that game. Uh, You know, even a loser point would have been uh, Uh, a step up. Instead, it's a huge night for the Canucks, because they gained two points on every significant rival.
0: That's what I was thinking.
1: Here's a good thing for you. The three California teams are tied for last place in the Pacific (laughs) Division. It was down there with
0: Chicago, the mighty have fallen.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. that may have changed tonight. I can I'm not sure who all won tonight, but Anaheim, thirty-four points, Kings, thirty-four points, Sharks, thirty-four points. Look at good. that. Good. Eleven regulation wins each.
0: Looks good on all of them.
1: Yeah, well, they've been they've been crowning us for years, so it doesn't <laughs> doesn't hurt my feelings to see all three of them down there.
0: <laughs> Alrighty. Well, Bruce, thanks for uh, thanks for. Uh, uh, the work you're doing here at the cult of hockey, Uh, you know, I'm so lucky to work with both you and Kurt. So thanks. I'm just grateful for that. And thanks everyone for listening to the cult of hockey podcast in, uh, well, we, you'll hear us again in 2019 before the, the dawning of the new decade, but uh, uh, it's, it's just fantastic. I think the kind of the group of people that we have interacting with us on Twitter, on social media, listening to the podcast, it's really, it's, it's, it makes being an Euler fan, makes hanging in there through through all these kind of ups and downs, uh, quite enjoyable. So that's what that's what I'm finding.
1: Yeah, I enjoy it too. We get every once in a while we get into a spat with someone or other, but uh, you know you have, <laughs> have to set them straight, right? But you know, honestly, I mean, by far the lion's share of the exchanges we have, they can be lively, but uh, uh, generally they don't come with hard feelings, and uh, certainly not from our end. So. Uh, uh, we enjoy the interaction with the fans, and the social media, that's one thing, like all the years that uh, I was a season ticket holder in the 70s, 80s, early 90s, uh, and we had uh reputation, Everton fans, of being very knowledgeable fans, but, you know, I couldn't tell you what someone was thinking two sections over unless I listened to the, you know, uh, John Short's radio program once a week there wasn't this sort of back and forth and exchange of information and, and uh, analysis that goes on nowadays I, I've learned a tremendous amount about hockey in these last few years after watching it really my whole life so it's, isn't that uh, the truth it's really changed uh, the whole access of, uh, of what how the game is played and how we understand it's being played so uh, there's that. And just the interaction with people is you know that's really what it's all about right?
0: I I think the learning curve for for all of us has just been fantastic. You know, just the knowledge you pick up about the game and statistical analysis and how to think about hockey, um, superb. All right, Bruce, Merry Christmas.
1: Yeah, Merry Christmas to everyone out there, and thanks all of you for listening.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.